Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Faith in Action podcast with me, your host, Tinashe Mujera. As you all know, I'm an author, a woman of faith, and I'm on a mission to share life's lessons with you. In this episode, I am excited to say that I'm joined in conversation with Tafadzo Tarubinga, who is an author. Um, I don't want to speak much about him, as you know, so that you guys hear it from himself. He's going to introduce himself and tell us about who he is and what he stands for, um, his story and um, what he writes about in his book. He writes a book that is titled The Educated Waiter, um, a memoir of an African immigrant. And um, Tefadzo is, um, is actually a, a a, a famous writer, if I could say it that way. Um, I've listened to some of his um, interviews on, on TV and yo, you guys are up to some good stuff today, um, if I could say it that way. So yeah, Tefato, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. Um, please tell us who you are, um, what you do, um, you know, what you're passionate about, and maybe you can just get into a little bit of what your book is all about. Um, over to you, Tefata. Thank you so much, Tinashe. Uh, I'm certainly not a famous writer, but um, I am a writer nonetheless. And as you rightly uh, said, I am the published author of um, The Educated Waiter, Memoir of an African Immigrant. Uh, before I introduce myself further, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you as well for hosting me on uh, this uh, magnificent platform that you run and to thank the entire team at Taco uh, Berry uh, for making it possible. So thank you. Um, so briefly, um, the book uh, is, is really what um, has highlighted my writing career. It's the first um, book that has been published. I've got other self-published works before the educated waiter and I've, I've always been passionate about uh, writing um, I think from a young age I mean I remember uh, how excited I would get about writing compositions uh, in English wow. or Shona in, in primary school and uh, and so I've always had this uh, this knack and this interest uh, in writing uh, so nice. essentially that's my background uh, if, if there's anything specific that you would like to know of course I'm more than happy to share as well. Beautiful. So you've always known that you had a passion for writing from a young age. Uh, yes, I, I have. Um, and, and in fact, I, this uh, sort of ability to write, I think, I suspect very strongly comes from my grandfather. Um, wow. and, or my grandfather on my paternal side, but also mm -hmm. my grandmother on my maternal side, um, both of whom were they are late now, but they were phenomenal storytellers. Wow. And I think this, wow. this ability to kind of paint pictures with, with words is inherited from them. And I think, um, I think with, you know, with some passions, you, 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 you bump into them. And, and this happened for me, fortunately, uh, at a young mm -hmm. age, and I started to develop an interest in, in, in writing and telling stories. So, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, Tafadza. I must say, um, those beautiful genes or those storytelling genes from from both your paternal and maternal side of the family definitely came on you. Because when I was reading your book, I was so intrigued. I couldn't put it down. I was like, oh my God, the way you articulate, you know, what you're saying, a small thing, you really like make it so wow in the way you describe and use words to actually, you know, tell a story about it. So really, really impressed about how you go about 
um, we were writing. Um, I'm going to go straight into the second question, a question I want to ask you next. But before I do that, I'm going to read from your back cover, the back cover of your book, because I'm holding it at the moment. And it says, yeah, I poured the bold water into the bowl of crampy Kellogg's conflicts and carefully added a few granules of Norse soup powder over the crushed smithereens. I mixed it all together, gnashed my teeth and forced down each bite with ample struggle. I was hungry. For most of it would be unfathomable eating a meal that wasn't one. But I wanted to graduate with the Rhodes University degree so badly that no conflicts seemed like a reasonable supper to allay the aching pains. For dessert, I wept quietly. Wow. So in me reading this, it takes me to question number two that says, how has your arduous journey at Rhodes University shaped you for your calling or the person you have become today? I read this because I also want you to take us into this journey in encapsulating also what you write here on the back cover of your book, just to give perspective to all the listeners that are, are, are listening to, to this episode. Thank you, Tanisha. Um, you know, that, <laughs> that and another piece um, later in the book, uh, the two, uh, probably the two most pop popular um, extracts that, that people like to talk about. Um, yeah. Because I think to a significant extent, for many people, they are almost unbelievable. Uh, but at the sure. same time, I think I think that um, that 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 exposition is uh, indicative of the experience that across the world run into wh while they are studying and trying to make something out of their studies. But um, mm -hmm. just to put it into perspective, um, that chapter is one of the earlier uh, chapters in, in the book. Of course, I, I can't give away too much, but it. It's really, yeah. um, uh, it, it, it really uh, paints a, a picture of some of the realities that, uh, that, that I faced, but also that other, other students uh, faced. Um, and you talk about an arduous journey. And uh, mm -hmm. your question is, is, is really pointing to, I think, the fact that, firstly, um, the, 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 my experiences or the challenges that I have faced have has been kind of a, a blessing in disguise because mm. they have provided the material that I needed in order to write this book. And in wow. fact, to morph me into the kind of writer I've now become. In other words, mm. it would have been impossible for me to, to, um, to, <laughs> to have anything to write about if I hadn't, um, if I hadn't experienced all these difficult things. Wow. So of course, for, for most of us, um, you, you only kind of, um, embrace uh, these challenges in retrospect and and, and i suppose this yeah. is what we're doing now um yeah, but yeah. but certainly i think th there's a shaping that has come from the very experiences that i've written about themselves yeah. and secondly I, I think that um we also have to talk about thinking um and in particular uh, i want i want to 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 just allude to lateral thinking in particular because um it, it's if you run into challenges it mm. forces you um, it forces you to to try and think about alternatives um, you yeah. know at the moment in South Africa uh, as we speak we are in the stage six uh, uh, um, <laughs> you know stage six of load shedding and this is the reality and um, it is the reality for everyone across the country but do mm. people sit on their laurels 
uh, they don't. They find alternatives. They find alternative yeah. energy, and they keep going. So we can see very clearly that when we are put to the yeah. test, uh, you know, in a, a lot of the times, um, we also dredge out the resilience that that we need as as people. Yeah. Wow. Totally agree with you, Tefadzwa. I mean. Um, the theme of this episode anyway is all things working out for your own good and I think you've just really like touched on what it is about and I mean like just like you say it's it's in retrospect retrospect that you actually begin to embrace and be thankful for some of the pains and the and the struggles that you know one goes through and 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 I mean I've I've gone through similar. I write in my book as well, you know, about similar experiences, of course, not as deep as you write yours, um, but similar experiences that is pain, um, struggles, and, and how they actually, when I look back, shaped me to become the person that I am today. And I believe the same for you. So are you, I'm sure you would agree with me to say that definitely this is, um, you know, a testament of all things are working out for your own good. I would say that I think in, in the big in the bigger scheme of in the bigger scheme of things, um, yes, um, it 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 ends it 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 you know it kind of culminates in that in all things uh, coming together for good. But um, it's not to suggest that that when one is going through all these challenges, it, it's easy. Not at all. But but I I also agree with you. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's never easy, hey. Um, I suppose it's 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 the journey that it's all our journeys, the different uh, paths we go through, or different um, paths, you know, we we sort of um, you know walk that actually bring out what our true purpose is. Um, I'm gonna ask a third question here to Fadzwa. You speak about your mom a lot in your book. Um, and, and I believe you respect your mom so much because, you know, even the way you, 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 you write about her, you even go on to say mama, mama is, is mom in, in, in our Shona language, our Shona native language. So, uh, um, that is actually, you know, bringing out that sort of respect and, you know, um, that you give to your mom. So you speak a lot about her, you speak about the re the resilience, um, the unrelenting spirit during tough times. You know, please share some of those struggles um, your mother went through as a single mother raising a boy child. What lessons did you learn from her and how has she inspired you, Jenny? Well, um, I do talk about my mother because uh, she's, she's my role model and she is uh, a, a pillar of strength for me. Uh, in fact, um, especially because my father passed on uh, in 1990 uh, when I was seven. And since mm -hmm. that time, uh, the, the relationship between, um, or, or rather the parental relationship that I understand more is, is maternal. Um, but it's also meant that, uh, that my mother had to almost become a mother father a figure of sorts if you if you yeah. if that's ever yeah. a phrase to to ever use um mm. and she had to impart lessons uh, to a significant extent that my father would have otherwise uh, taught me so you can imagine the the sort of gr gravity um that that yeah. came with you know you know this yeah. this parent who's trying to figure out herself and a life without a partner but at the same mm. time having to carry the role of the other person um, of, yeah. the, of the partner who is missing and in rela in relation uh, to her yeah. children um but sure. uh, but um I think through the different stages of 
of growth that you know that that anyone typically goes through you know we've mm -hmm. had our ups and downs um i was yeah. a naughty child uh, tinashe i was um <laughs> you know as a boy i was naughty i was i was inquisitive i was curious i was adventurous i was unafraid uh, of of risks etc and uh, and i took a lot of beatings from her you know um and, and i in retrospect i actually appreciate them <laughs> because we, yeah. without sort of that discipline uh, i i would not have uh, become the person that i am but i think yeah. another difficult time for us was my were my teenage years um and, yeah. and i think those were the most difficult for her because i was also kind of trying to figure myself out right on my own as an individual now add to yeah. that trying to figure myself out as a as a boy who doesn't have a father figure um sure. but also trying to figure myself out uh with mm. with an authoritative mother father figure um who sure. is who is imposing her motherhood but also mm. uh, while she's discovering that the, the fatherhood uh, part part of it is also trying to impart that that wow. would have been you know that would have been um that was um sometimes challenging for us Sure. But but I think some of them. You also asked what sort of lessons I, I've learned from my mother. Uh, mm. That would be an endless list of the things that I've learned from my mother. I've learned so much wow. from from her. Wow. Um, but I, I think I think top top of of that list would be um, such things as hard work. Um, I mean, for as long as mm. I remember, my mother has has always worked hard um, to yeah. to you know to provide for us to accomplish so much in a limited space of time with uh, mm. with limited resources um you know as a wow. single parent um she mm. she you can therefore imagine that she also um taught not only me but also my siblings uh, to wow. be resourceful and um, sure. and one example of the book uh, is i i talk about how we um how we each uh, you know went out of our way using whatever mm. resources at our disposal respectively to try and yeah. source fees for, for for my studies i was sure. in, in in grandstown now makanda uh working as a as a as a student as a waiter at a local restaurant and mm. ju just to finance some of my living expenses but uh, mm. and while while waiting for her to send me money you know so so there would have been that sort of reciprocity and collaboration between us from which i yeah. i also think i benefited and that list sure. that leads me to the last um to the last at least for the purposes of this discussion to the last mm. lesson that i learned from my mother um I, i've learned to make difficult decisions um you know mm. uh, because i've seen her making difficult decisions again mm. um because she, she's a single parent and inadvertently i've also had to kind of rub off some of that um decision making ability from her sure wow Wow. Interesting and, and, and very in, insightful, Tefadzo, that you share um, that about your mother. I mean, I'm just, yeah, in the same light, I just want to ask you as well to say, so how does, how has this um, relationship with your mom and you seeing all these things that you went through, how has that impacted or, or changed or shaped your view of, of women in general, girls, sisters, aunts, grandmothers, Whoever it is, how has how has it changed your perspective or view of women in general? Well, that's well, that's um, I think that's a great question, and um, I'll say for, you know I think the biggest lesson I've learned um, 
um, from my, in terms of, or relative to the question you ask anyway, is the biggest lesson I've learned there is to coexist um, yeah. with women uh, progressively. I'll yeah. give you an example. When I was going through my teenage motions, and yeah. I talk about how, um, you know, how um, terrible I was as a teenager, <laughs> I would have, for example, <laughs> refused to, to buy sanitary pads uh, for yeah. my sister, um, yeah. as an example, right? And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, the in 2008, and you might remember that. And yeah. suddenly, uh, we we had to send supplies from. Uh, at the time, I was in Johannesburg. We had yes. to send supplies home, and by yeah. that time, I didn't have. I couldn't have had a problem with uh, with with sending my my sister's sanitary pads because i understood what it what it meant to not have something that you need uh, because we all as 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 citizens went through uh, that much difficulty um, so yeah. it's just an example to illustrate um some of the lessons i've learned from from uh, you know from my mother and my sisters um and and yeah. and, and there are many of them you know just trying mm -hmm. to understand um, the similarities between men and women, which are which are there and many, but also the differences uh, between uh, men and women, which which are there. So I would say I would say that's my biggest uh, take home: the, the ability to coexist and to understand the ability, the other. Mm, ability to coexist and understand the other. But has that made you respect or esteem women more? If I, if I may ask, you're the only boy surrounded by women, sisters, your mother, like you were the only male figure in the home. Has that, you know, that, does it have an impact in terms of, I'm sure when you're with your friends, um, there's a certain way, um, you know, that males tend to view women that may not be because you've stayed with a home, in a home where it was a lot of women surrounding you. Would you say there's a difference? I don't know if there's a, if I'm different from other men in that respect. Mm -hmm. I think that would be presumptuous of me to say that. But mm -hmm. um, I do think that yes, I have. I so so to answer your question differently, I don't know if I respect women more necessarily because I've lived with women. I don't think mm -hmm. that one leads to the other. Um, I would imagine mm -hmm. that there are men who were not necessarily surrounded by women growing up that are equally mm -hmm. respectful of women. Um, I yeah. just think that I'm fortunate in my particular case to have uh, to have had direct access uh, to yeah. to you know to the uh, to the predispositions of these particular women and uh, of course I can't talk about all women in general of these yeah. particular women of these four women um, and there's so much I've learned from them. They, I'll give you an example um, when we have when we've had to make uh, certain family decisions, for example. I would look at an issue from one point of view, um, um, necessarily because I'm a man and there's a certain way that I process information. And, yeah. and two or all of my sisters would present a different perspective because wow. they are women and they look at it differently. And we would True. collaborate and combine these approaches. And at the end of the day, we would come up with a better decision because of these different contributions. So that's my experience, um, sort of being part of that uh, that ecosystem and coexisting with with women. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thanks, Tefato. So um, that actually is going to lead me to um, the next question that I have for you. Um, you talk about the college days. We're going to go back to the university and college days. I mean, you know, just reading your book also took me back to my university days, my days at the University of Venda and all the things that I went through, you know, different life lessons, finding myself, um, you know, being able to really, you know, go deep within to say, who am I as an individual and what do I want to represent? So, um, I mean, college days, I don't know for you, but I believe that college days or university days can either make you or break you. And um, there's so many things that people get exposed to, young adults get exposed to in those years that if really you are not mindful and not conscious of who you are and what you want to achieve, you can easily, you know, get, um, you know, sort of distracted and actually lose yourself in the process. So my next question for you is... Um, you went through quite a number of adversities in order to become an economics graduate. Describe a moment where your spirit was completely shattered and you needed to piece it back together. You know, describe that moment, you know, when your spirit was completely shattered and you needed to piece it back together. Who was your source of strength and comfort? Um, Janashe, I've, I've faced many challenges um, along the way. Um, some that have left me feeling, um, you know, you talked about the conflicts sort of seen from the book, you extracted that earlier on. Some that have left me feeling downtrodden, others that have left me feeling overwhelmed. Um, but but I, I have never felt like I could lose hope or, um, or I could be completely shattered. I think it's normal for, for anyone, and this is the case for me as well, that when things are difficult, um, you know, you feel um, you, you feel you, you could be downtrodden, yes. But I think I've been fortunate enough to have the ability um, to kind of, you know, dust myself off and, and keep moving on. Um, because hope is sometimes the only remaining tool, uh, yeah. which could make all the difference between getting out of bed and missing an opportunity. And I think from my experience, one, one of the one of the things I've challenged myself to do consistently over the years is to, even if I don't feel like it, or if it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, or it feels like um, a dead end, I should at least be able to get up and take a shower and, and go and get there. Yeah. Then whatever happens will happen once I'm there, you know? Um, so, yeah. so I can't ever say that I've been dispirited uh, enough to not at least be hopeful. Um, um, and, and you also ask about about um, my source of, um, you said, I think, strength and comfort. Um, yes. th there have been multiple sources of hope um, or, or strength or comfort for me. Um, in the book, I talk about several of them. One of them is, um, is a character that I, uh, a pseudonym, of course, that I use in the book, uh, a character, a friend of mine, yeah. um, and I name him Mutapa. And Mutapa uh, was a major, major source of strength for me in my in some of my difficult times in Johannesburg when he was at Wits University. So, mm. so that's one source. My mother has been a source of strength in different uh, situations. Um, God has been a different, has been a source of strength. Um, mm. Even when I've, when I have um, prayed half-heartedly, um, you know, oh. because I'm in a, I'm in a funk or I'm, I'm in a situation 
that makes me not want to pray. God has been yeah. there, you know. Um, mm. But uh, so my point, I think, really to encapsulate this is that I don't think there can ever be a, a single source of inspiration. I, I think mm. that that would be, um, you know, it would be puritanical to kind of imagine that there's one single mm. source. I think different people play different roles in spurring us on, uh, you know, differently. Mm. At times, even strangers that we meet. God sends these people, you know, time and again. You meet somebody on a bus or on a um, on a train or on a on a on a taxi, whatever the case is, who, who gives you a message, who shares with you a message that you really need to hear, and that becomes a source of inspiration, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's my response to that question, and um, and uh, I think that there are multiple sources of hope. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Tefata. I couldn't agree less with you in terms of, you know, having multiple sources of strength and comfort. I mean, I remember myself being pulled into one of these motivational conferences in varsity. And just the one word that that speaker said sparked the answer that I needed at that very moment. And for me, that was a source of strength and comfort at that particular time. So you're right to say that definitely... Um, you could meet a stranger. It could be anything that happens, uh, um, you know, in your journey that becomes that source of strength and comfort. Um, I'm going to go into the next question, but I want to twist this question a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you about your university in university, you know, and as a general question, we all know that students are exposed to, you know, a life of being distracted by so many things because, I mean, you're far away from home. You want to sort of try out things that you've never tried out. I mean, I tried my first, um, <laughs> you know, alcohol experience at university. The only reason was because my parents were not there and I had the freedom of becoming who I wanted to at that particular time. So we sort of distracted you away from home. You want to try out new things. You're literally expo exposed to the world. What obstacles um, did you have to overcome, you know, to remain focused um, and to be able to conquer your goals and, and actually come out of the Rhodes University with a degree? Well, I I think that when, when you have made a decision to go to university, the general understanding is that you, ha you are there to learn. Um, and so f first and foremost, you have to, to kind of um, continuously remember that, uh, that you're there to learn um, academically. But you're also there to learn um, from, from others, from the environment, from a new environment, from a new um, ecosystem, <clears throat> from right. new um, people that you meet, etc. And that social context is particularly important. And I found that um, it made my my um, my university days a, a lot lighter than they could have been. Just this ability to connect with people and establish um, positive relationships. Um, some of the some of the obstacles I overcame were, and and this is something I talk about extensively in the book, uh, were firstly the absence of an income um, or of a consistent. Um, source of funds to study and I overcame yeah. that by looking for a job you know and and my advice to students is therefore that um, if you are studying and you are uh, yes the core is that you should study but if you have the opportunity to kind of be innovative and take advantage of um, opportunities around you then by all means uh, uh, do it it's also important to not be choosy 
um, particularly when you're a student. You know, a job is a job. A job teaches you, um, any job teaches you at least the sort of discipline that you will need for, for better jobs in the future. The second thing that um, I overcame was, um, well, was missing out on uh, opportunities. And I've, I've already talked about that um, by embracing relationships. So the solution was to embrace the relationships that I had access to at university. An example from my book, uh, From the Educated Waiter, um, is when uh, someone that I refer to as the banking executive um, was benevolent enough to part with 20,000 rand to help me towards my uh, paying my tuition um, for third year, you know? Wow. So I, I couldn't have done that firstly if I hadn't found, if I hadn't gone out of, if I hadn't got out of my comfort zone to find a job because the job is the one that led me to meeting that person. But over and above that, creating a relationship with that person is what presented an opportunity that then allowed me to pay fees. Um, I would say that uh, the perhaps the, the third thing I've learned um, in my university days is the importance of improvisation or innovation. And in the book I talk about, uh, there's another scene which you haven't read <laughs> where I use sunlight liquid because I don't have body wash or soap. Uh, to take a bath, you know, it's, it's excruciating. It's ex yes, it's excruciating. It's actually irritating because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm itching through a lecture after I've done that. But, but at least I'm clean, you know, and I can go to a lecture and not make others uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah. so that improvisation is something that you learn earlier on in those sort of younger days of um, when you are at university. But it it can be it can translate itself into uh, many other situations that uh, that are strewn along the, the path of life and i would say uh, let me park it there i think those are some of the some of the things wow. that some of the challenges i've overcome wow wow tafadza i mean your stories are just so incredible so empowering and i guess they actually get one to think of their own life to say really i say i've struggled and i've gone through things but i don't think i've really gone through you know what half of what you talk about here um and just for the sake of our listeners guys we are in conversations with an author named Tafadzo Taruvinka, the author of um, The Educated Waiter. His book is called The Educated Waiter and we're in episode six of the Faith in Action podcast titled All Things Are Working Together for Your Own Good. Tafadzo, thank you for what you've shared so far. I'm just going to quickly jump into a random question. I know you spoke about your mother being your role model earlier on when we started um, the podcast. I just want you to talk a little bit more about role models. I mean, looking at um, young adults or people in general nowadays, there's a lot of people that people want to associate with that they call role models from, you know, different aspects of life. Social media has become a source of different types of role models, if I could say it that way. I mean, we get celebrities, we get, you know, people posting and showcasing who they are, what they're doing. And we find a lot of especially young adults wanting to associate with those celebrities and those big people that are showcasing whatever they're doing on social media platforms and say to themselves, this is a role model. I know of people that say Beyonce is my role model or whoever it is is my role model because they're famous. I want you to take us through, you know, role models. Um, like I said, you said your mother was a role model to you. What can young people 
look for in role models, in mentors, in coaches, um, especially when they're young adults and especially um, at the university stage? Well, at, at a university stage, my view is that um, it's important to look for a role model that's, that's palpable. And, and by that, I mean a role model that is immediately accessible. I say that in particular because at that stage in life, one hasn't formed um, too many um, opinions or ideas about the world enough to infer what they could benefit from a celebrity role model, for example. I'm not saying that celebrity role models are, are not good role models. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that um, in, in the earlier phases of life, perhaps it's much more beneficial for young people to look for role models that they can have conversations with on a day-to-day, -day, even if it's not daily, yeah. but people that are accessible so that yeah. they, they form and they, they become, they, they come out, sort of come out of their chrysalis. Um, and as they are, they are, you know, they're going further down the line of, of adulthood, they might then choose a different role model but they choose that later role model because they know why they are choosing that role model, okay? Yeah. So, for example, um, we, I think we could say that, uh, that Serena Williams uh, could be a fantastic role model for somebody, right? Um, yeah. but, but a young person might not actually understand why Serena Williams is a good role model, role model for, for them. Uh, whereas if they, if they choose a role model that's more immediate, it will lead them to Serena Williams. Um, so, so that's my that's my take on that. Um, at least it's it's my view um, as far as role models are concerned. Wow! Thank you, Tafadzwa. You've heard it for yourself, listeners. He says accessibility and a role model that is relatable. Um, I believe that is the two things that Tafadzo has actually brought out in terms of when you want to find a role model, make sure that it's someone that you have access to, you can have conversations with on a day-to-day -day if it means, or if you have an issue, it's easy to pick up a phone and call them. Someone that's relatable, um, and then it will get you to where you want to be. Thank you for sharing that, Tafadzo. And that leads me to the next question um, that I have for you in this episode. And the question is, how can people master the kind of unwavering determination that you had? Um, if you can give us five examples, five skills, five tips that are needed and maybe explain them um, for, for the sake of our listeners. Oh, Tinashe, talk about putting me on the spot here. Um, but uh, so so it's very. I think it would be difficult for me to to give you five characteristics of five skills that are needed for one to um, to to remain determined. Uh, but what I will say is this: that I don't think that there's a there's a single way. I don't think you can have a a how to blueprint on how to um, to remain determined or to remain focused. I think instead, um, the most important uh, thing that an individual needs to be able to do is to introspect mm -hmm. and to become more as self-aware as is possible. As is possible, and I think that's that's what's important. I think it's important to be self-aware um, yeah. because then, if you if you are self-aware, you are able to um, to create a link between um, what you have discovered within you. And all the external stimuli that exists that exist out there, right? Mm. As opposed to kind of having a list of a checklist, 
of the things that you need to, to be able to accomplish for you to be deemed um, determined or successful or whatever the case is. Mm. I think as long as you are self-aware, you have enough um, of a tool to match your capabilities with uh, with all the external factors that that you meet uh, along the way. But uh, but if if I had to choose, uh, maybe I would say, uh, firstly, hard work. I think that hard work, there, there's no substitute for hard work. Um, you know, there, there's, actually, there's actually no shortcut. It doesn't matter how you package it. Um, you've got to be willing to, to put in the work uh, to accomplish your goals, be it in your studies as, an, as a student um, or, or work as somebody who is employed, whether it's part-time, whether it's student work, whether it's full-time, whatever the case is. I would say secondly, um, not burning bridges is important. I have found that along my life journey, I have had to go back to people that I met earlier in life uh, to, to, to re-establish connections, um, to, to see uh, how we can collaborate and work together, to look for opportunities, etc. And I've learned that way to not, you know, I've learned the importance of not burning bridges. But it's, it's also particularly important for me um, to discover, uh, for one, to discover their passion. Um, you know, back in the day when I started first year in 2002, um, yes, my mother was doing all these things in the background, sourcing funds for me, making sure I was provided for, making sure I had all I, need, I, I needed. But, um, but I, I think she would have been um, she would have been because she was not in that in, at the Rhodes University environment. She would have also been limited in the amount of career guidance she could give me, right? To some extent. At the same yeah. time, back in the day, um, career guidance was not as extensive or as developed as it is now. And and so, what what I would challenge parents to do is to try and match um, the advice that they give uh, to their children at any stage of, of their education to try and match their passions with education. I personally yeah. think that's that's productive um, as opposed to, to kind of, um, you know, forcing them in a certain direction. Yeah. Um, an individual is likely to perform much better if the academic aspects are matched with their passion. Uh, so so that's, that's something that I think is important. And lastly, I know that I'm going to give you four out of five, but I think it's, it's important to break down problems into parts of the sum and tackling one at a time. Um, because if you if you if you don't have that, that ability to kind of you know to kind of break down to to really break down a problem, a big chunk of a problem that you face, it will be all the all the more overwhelming, and it will be much more difficult to resolve than breaking yeah. it down and dealing with one part at a time until yeah. the entire problem. Resolved. Um, so I, I would say that um, yeah, those are some of the things that I've learned um, along the way. Wow. Wow, Tafadzwa. Thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. I mean, you've gone through the most and I mean, hearing it from someone who's experienced is, is definitely different from someone who's just sharing because they can motivate, whereas they've actually never been through that road. So really, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. And I mean, to all our listeners, I'm sure you've heard it for yourself. Self-awareness is the first thing you mentioned. Very key. I'm all about self-awareness. As you all know, if you do not know who you are, definitely you headed for disaster. You need to know who you are 
fully um, to be able to discover your potential. And of course, that will also aid in being confident in your own self, not being in competition with anyone. And I mean, Tafadzo shared a lot about, you know, discovering your passion, matching it to your education. Wow, such wisdom. Don't bend bridges, guys. You had it for yourself. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Tafadzo. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go into my next question. I know we're running out of time a bit here, um, but um, here it goes. Describe the tests of survival. And I mean, before I even get into this question, this speaks more to what you write um, in your book, um, The Educated Waiter. And if you can, just give us, you know, a little bit of what is in the book regarding this question. So describe the tests of survival you were going through in South Africa as an African immigrant, as you mentioned in your preface. You describe a journey that confronts poverty, racism, xenophobia, and classism. Would like to hear words of empowerment to our listeners who may be facing discrimination of a similar nature. How did you self-motivate and are you still affected today? I know this is more personal, but we want to hear it from you, Tafadza. Well, firstly, um, Tanasha, I, I think it's a fair it's fair to suggest um, that Africans and immigrants experience barriers to entry globally. Um, but yeah. but at the same time, these social issues are also not unique to them. And by them, I mean African immigrants, the way you've phrased it. In fact, yeah. I think that ra racism, xenophobia, um, and, and classism, and other forms of discrimination are global phenomena, and, and, and history uh, shows us that. More yeah. recently, we have seen um, the challenges that migrants have faced in some parts of the, of the world. I mean, top of mind, places like some parts of Western Europe, places like the US, um, you would remember uh, under the administration of uh, Donald Trump and many other places where these so social maladies kind of exist and people grapple with them uh, sort of an, on a day to day. But what I would like to say is this, um, uh, Tinashe, I think that, that there are also many opportunities for migrants. Um, if you have been following in the media, I read an article recently, um, and Germany is has started to est or is establishing the equivalent of a green card because they want to attract um, skills from all over the world. Uh, they want to attract people younger than 35 to to flock to Germany uh, to take advantage of job opportunities coming, uh, go, you know, um, uh, arising in Germany. Because they have realized that um, that the German society or the German population is an upside down pyramid, and so they want to fill those gaps, and and that presents opportunities for for migrants across the world. Canada is another example uh, that that we can think of here, um, where they have um, different uh, uh, levels of of visas for migrants that qualify for different uh, levels of jobs uh, in, in that country. The U.S. is another. They have their annual uh, uh, lottery for accommodating migrants from other parts of the world and giving them citizenship if they can value add to the, to the fiscus. Singapore yeah. is another example. Australia, the list goes on. I think that, in conclusion, I think that challenges are almost always accompanied by opportunities for migrants. 
wow. and for other groups of people who are necessarily excluded on a day-to-day basis um so so that's my response to that wow wow tafatwa challenges are always a window of opportunity i'm taking that for myself too so wow thank you for sharing that that is so profound and so powerful challenges again are always a window for opportunity and you've had some of the opportunities that are really there for you know immigrants that are really there um you know for people to really explore and 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 sort of dive into thank you for sharing that tafadza when i go into the next question again um yeah i mean i'm sure there's a lot of people that look up to you in different um aspects i mean after reading your book i'm sure there's people that have come to you and asked questions you know and asked for advice um i might be wrong but i believe there is because there's a lot to learn from your book after i've read it as well and um here's a question that i have for you is if you had an opportunity to implement structures within universities and communities that could support students who went through what you did what would it be and how should we help each other achieve that thanks thanks tanashi um I, i think that's yeah that's a really interesting question and in response to that i think that um, at least i'll i'll talk about the south african the south african context because that's the one i know and that's where i've done my studies um mm. i think that universities on the greater part have uh, structures in place uh for for helping students and this is based on my observations and my experience that uh, at Rhodes University uh, where I did my first degree in economics and management and more recently at Wits University where I'm actually um, completing a masters in uh, program in creative writing um opportunities are there um for for funding uh for example for um for signing um agreements that allow you to delay payments uh, the payment of fees while you continue to study for teaching assistantships uh for tutoring etc but the issue is that um when you are a student no one will plate and garnish opportunities for you <laughs> you, you kind of have to you, you kind of have to to be <laughs> so aggressive as to yeah. knock on so many doors that people actually start to get irritated with you until they give you what you're looking for in yeah. fact knocking on doors is part of being a student out suggest um sure. and i'll give you an example from my personal experience when i was going through the motions of not uh, of not having uh, enough financial resources and working and i talked about the um, the banking executive who gave me 20000 rand um i was also bothering the accountant at the time at rhodes university if i were to print the emails that i sent her and that she sent back that uh, there would be a significant pile because I, it was important for me to consistently communicate my needs uh, to her and yeah. universities based on that particular experience can be accommodating if you also uh, prove that one you are committed to what you want to achieve but Shoot. secondly that you are actually performing um in, yeah. in you know in an academic uh, space the universities have little reason to extend some uh, benevolence it might not be the entire way but uh, universities i would like to suggest do have yeah. structures uh, support structures uh, for student for students uh, from 
from anywhere, um, or at least students that are at these uh, very universities. There, you've heard it for yourselves, guys. There's no excuse. You need to knock on the doors until people get irritated by you to give you attention. I like that, Tafadzwa. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think this definitely leads us to our last question um, that I'm going to not, well, not very, not last, last but not least, well. Um, and the question is, is basically around... Um, you know, economic and financial inclusion, particularly for women. I want to talk about, you know, how or what does it mean or look like for you um, having economic and financial inclusion for women? I mean, you are a mom who was a single mom that worked so hard. You know, you talk about her being hardworking, you know, in order to get you through school. What do you think can be done better? from an economic or financial uh, inclusion space that could actually help women um, in particular. I want to focus it more on women. Describe how you think we could get there as a society. Thanks, Tinashe. Um, and uh, well, firstly, I think that that's a legitimate and pertinent question. And secondly, I cannot imagine how uh, we would have managed if my mother did not have was not employed by the time that my father passed away so my father and my mother in their partnership of a marriage had an understanding that uh, indeed uh, that uh, each of them need to needed to to play a part and to contribute to uh, to the household that they were both trying to do and um, that they were trying to build or that they were building rather sorry and uh, and and in the aftermath my mother was therefore able to carry that on then I think it's important for women to own financial knowledge, um, which you have asked about, but also to be financially independent. And this is something I, I've learned uh, from my mother and, and my sisters. Um, I think that the world is changing and, and the, the balance is shifting. And something like the institution of marriage uh, would, 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 would certainly need both uh, contributions uh, from, from husband and wife. I think that uh, that work now presents itself differently in modern society. For example, I spent a stint, and this is something I talk about in the book. I spent about a year uh, in Germany. And in my time in Germany, I made several observations about how Germans work. And one of the ways in which they work is they are really, really, even pre-COVID, they, they are really, really accommodating of the needs of women in the workplace. So, for example, if a woman has um, gone away on her um, maternity leave, uh, leave uh, to give birth and to look after an infant, um, beyond the first four months, uh, they would work mostly from home. At that time, and I'm talking about, I was in Germany in 2011 to 2012, they had already started to do that. Um, uh, women, um, again, in the same um, scenario, women would come into the office uh, for half days on some days um, they could manage both work and households yeah. other examples um my 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 publisher of this very book that we're talking about is a phenomenal uh, woman uh, melinda yeah. ferguson because she's got two phds um one in uh, in literature and the other in creative writing um she yeah. is the one who has led uh, uh, the development of this particular program at masters and phd levels you know yeah. and and those there are many there are many prime examples that we can talk about in the 
in the in the local and global context. So to conclude, um, Tinashe, I think the role the role that men um, play and should play has changed, and it has to change. I think that men need to create platforms that enable women to uh, to be contributors towards economy, be it microeconomy in the context of a household, but also the bigger mm-hmm. economy. Uh, if we're talking about uh, you know uh, society at large, and mm-hmm. that's uh, that's my view on that. Thanks, Tafadza. And I think this also just links even in, in, in making economic and financial decisions that affect the household, um, that affect countries. You know, um, I think women definitely need to be included in these platforms. I mean, I was reading as well, and research says 70% um, you know, of household consumptions is provided by women. These are some of the statistics that are coming out. And I think you've literally just given us a good view of really what society should be doing and in, in order to include um, women in the economic and financial space. Thanks for sharing that, Tafadza. I'm going to go to my very last question uh, for you is uh, basically last words, um, but I want you to share the last words in line with um, what your life objectives are or goals, uh, passions, if you've got any, and also what it is um, that we should look forward to, you know, from your writing and 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 maybe the DNA of of what you want to bring out from your from from your writings um, going forward. So, just last words um, for our listeners: um, what your life objectives, purpose, and goals are, and also what you really want, um, you know, people that will, you know, be able, you know, to, to get an opportunity to get one of your books or writings from now going into the future. What is the DNA of your writings? What it is that you want to bring out or send out to the world? What message is it that you want the world to know from you? Um, Tinashe, I'm still also discovering that. <laughs> uh, my, my first book was, uh, was, I suppose, relatively easy to write because uh, it was it was it basically relied on on memory for me to be able to write it my current project which i can't yet talk about is a is a creative project uh, it's a novel that's uh, set in zimbabwe um that deals with um with a, with a central uh, social issue uh, that uh, that uh, that is that is that is common um, uh, globally, so I can't again. I can't. I can't give away too much there. Yeah? But I'm <laughs> also really um, uh, through the um, the rigor of uh, or, you know of academic uh, uh, reviews and peer reviews and, and all the the academic processes that take place in a writing program. I, I am. I believe I'm. I, I am working towards becoming a better writer. So 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 writing is is com- is is completely my passion. And um, I think the challenge for anyone is once you have identified and discovered your passion, is to try and um, and combine that with as many things as possible. So, for, what I'm simply suggesting here is, can you make can you create work out of your passion? Can you make a living out of your passion? Can you combine it with um, with, um, with with academic research, for example? Um, um, etc. Okay, so I think for me the challenge is to to try and and identify um, synergies between my passion for writing and other spaces where my writing could add value. Um, and uh, lastly, um, I think that uh, my goal is to um, to publish as 
many books as will be possible uh, through you know through the rest of yeah. of, of my days. And I would like to encourage um, all your listeners to also um, to also find their passion, to find what what really burns, what's really burning inside of inside of them. That's that wants to come out, and to run with that, and to not be afraid of that. I, I think that's something that I've I've learned to be supremely um, gratifying. Wow, Tafadza, what beautiful last words. I mean. Do not be afraid of the passion that is burning on the inside of you. Let it out. Go for it. Face it. I love, love, love that. Um, I'm all about that. I'm all about discovering your passion, finding it, and running with it. Um, and I think you're very right to say that many people are actually afraid of the greatness that sits within them. It's so amazing that Human beings are actually afraid of the power that resides and sits within them. Powerful. And thank you, Tafadza, for sharing. I also just want you, before I close this episode, um, I just want to thank you, first of all, Tafadza. Thank you for honoring this platform. Thank you for making time in, uh, you know, to, to really come and, and, and do this with me. Um, we do not take it for granted. And for that, we just want to say we appreciate you. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, I also just want you to share with us and the listeners where they can be able to get your book or your books, um, how they can access you to anyone who wants to get in touch with you to find out more. Um, how can they purchase the book? Do you Are you on social media? How can people get access to, to what you do? Um, thank you very much uh, once again, Tanasha, and, and to the team. I am also really grateful that you found time to give me this platform to share my views and to talk about uh, to talk about my book. I am um, on social media. I'm all. I'm in all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My uh, my handle is tz taruvinga. Um, so please do get in touch if you would like to uh, to purchase a signed copy of the book. Uh, I'm able to arrange that. But um, if you would also like to use other platforms uh, to purchase the book, um, there's, there is, if you are ever in Harare uh, and you, um, if you ever get to, uh, to access the airport in Harare, the Robert Gabriel Mugabe International Airport, uh, there's a bookstore there, uh, the, house, um, the House of Books, uh, they have it in stock over there, so you can get it there. In South Africa, you can get the book at, um, at AfroCulture, so if you google afroculture uh, you will be led to their website and you'll be able to access the book there as well another platform is uh, red pepper online um, they also have stock of the book shara books has stock of the book x-a-r-r-a -R -R um, also based in south africa um, so and and all these um distributors uh, are have on-site stores but they also have online stores so i'm sure they would be able to uh, to arrange for shipping, etc., that uh, to get the book across to you wherever you are in the world. Um, so, Tinashe, yes, uh, those are the platforms that uh, that uh, your listeners uh, can access uh, for the educated waiter, memoir of an African immigrant. 
Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Tefadzwa. Really appreciate you once again. Um, and thank you for the wisdom that you've shared with the listeners. Guys, you've heard it for yourself from the author of The Educated Waiter, Tefadzwa Tarubinka, who has been a guest with us today in the episode six of the Faith in Action podcast. Um, hoping that you've managed to grasp um, a word or two, a wisdom that could actually help you in your own personal life journeys. Um, and with that said, I'm just going to close off this episode. Thank you all for listening and we look forward to sharing more with you in the next coming episode. Thank you, everyone. It's bye for now. This is the Faith in Action podcast that has been created to help you find the journey to your true self through conversations and lessons shared. Please like, follow or subscribe to our channel to stay connected to our Faith in Action community. You can also find me on my social media pages, Nashe on Facebook or Nashe by Tinashe on Instagram.